My name is Nathan Forster, and this is Deeper and Wider, a show where we meet at the crossroads of Christian faith and all of life, from the small to the big, from the mundane to the profound, where we learn people's stories and their specialities, have conversations, and offer perspectives, all of which are shaped and animated by Jesus, his way of life, and the kingdom he came to bring. This show will be a resource for people who, deep down in their bones, think that surely God's kingdom is deeper and wider than the box we have put it in, a kingdom that can permeate all of existence, if we allow it to. So welcome to Deeper and Wider. Jesus once famously said these words, If anyone would come after me, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Pretty strong words from Jesus. What does it exactly mean to deny oneself, to take up one's cross, and to follow him? In particular, what does that mean against the backdrop of a culture that prizes itself on self-care and avoiding burnout? This is what I'll be talking about today in conversation with Joel Sonique. Joel Sonique is a pastor at C3 North Perth alongside his wonderful wife, Michaela. Now, I'm pretty biased because... Joel and Michaela are my pastors, and I think they are great. Uh, But nonetheless, we started having this conversation a couple of months ago over coffee, and I thought we would continue it over the podcast. So, yes, I'm looking forward to you guys listening in on this conversation as we talk about what it means to deny oneself and take up our cross, and how that all works against the backdrop of self-care and burnout. So here is today's conversation with myself and Joel. If you're going up an elevator of mm-hmm. the world's tallest building, yeah. Um, so it's the world's tallest. So you have a couple of minutes, and someone were to like look look you in the eyes. I, I make it sound really romantic. If someone were to look, if someone were to ask you, like a, a like tell us who you are in a nutshell. What would you say? What would be your kind of go-to little little bio for people? I uh, would look them back in the eye <laughs> <laughs> and say, "Well, <laughs> this is me." No, is I um, I would say that I'm Joel. That's my name. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. and I am uh, a pastor, uh, but I also. Do a bit of web development. Mm-hmm. I love a bit of code. Yeah. Uh, but I have <clears throat> a passion for the church and and for who God is and uh, how God is really uh, brings me alive mm. in who I am mm. and uh, He is the strength of who I am and mm. what I do. Yeah. Uh, I would say that I'm married. I have two young girls uh, and uh, and enjoying and loving the life of juggling uh, work, <laughs> church, family life. Uh, and I uh, enjoy running. I love to run. Yes. 
Yeah, so I noticed when you came over, your Adidas shoes look well-worn. <laughs> well, they actually, they, they wouldn't be running shoes, though, would they be? No, those ones aren't running shoes. Yeah, okay. But they're just, they're they're just, just well-worn. Yeah, they're, <laughs> just well, they're just well-worn, good old running shoes. Yeah. yeah. Good sneakers to throw on. Yes. Um, and I always pronounce your last name wrong, Sneak. Is that right? Mm. Sneak. Well, that's, yeah. I've got it Sinek. right. Yeah. Yes. Some, I think- people, some people pronounce it Sinek. Sinek, interesting. <laughs> uh, but I like, I prefer the Sinek pronunciation. Yeah, no. It just found, sounds a bit. Sounds Sinek. It sounds more well, French. It, it is a uh, like Mauritian French. Ah, okay. Surname, so. That makes Sinek sense. Sinek. Has, ah, Mauritian French Sinek. Mm. It's a very Sinek last name. It's very sneaky. <laughs> it's very sneaky. <laughs> sneaky. I think when I started. Um, Going to um, our church, I um, the way I try to remember your last name was like treat, calling your your house the Sneak Sabbath Lodge because yeah. <laughs> so, it just sounded like a sequoia, but like like, like the tree, like a sequoia. Is it a sequoia? Is that the name of a tree? Yes, yeah. Okay, so I just thought sequoia, Sneak, and that's the how lodge. I. <laughs> I remembered your last the name. The Sabbath Lodge. Yeah, yeah, the Sneak Sabbath Lodge, as I call it. Because, uh, I mean, I mean, so on, on that's kind of my chosen Sabbath day, yes. Sunday, um, for myself. Now, you you, you guys practice Sabbath mm. as well from, from memory? Yes. Yeah. What does that typically look like for uh, yourself? It's a Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. I mean, we say Saturday sundown, but we're really – we probably have an extended Sabbath and go all night Saturday as well. Oh, how about that? <laughs> Watch out. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not exactly something uh, you would, you know, let's open up an Excel spreadsheet on Saturday <laughs> night. Yeah. So. It's not not something that we yeah typically do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Friday night we usually try and mark it with uh, a time. It's, we get some nice bread from a local bakery and mm. a nice bottle of wine and do have some communion with the family. Uh, that's our time to market and just be like, yeah, we, we get to rest together. I mean, the, the girls, they're five and three, so they're, mm. they're still like, you know, don't quite understand it all. Mm. But it's, we're, we're just reiterating the fact that we get to rest and in, enjoy each other's and it's family day Saturday mm. for us. Mm. And that's what they know it as um, today that we get to hang out and go on adventures and oh, I love that. enjoy um, the time together. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we, we like to mark it with some communion to, as a moment to rest in God. Mm. Um, and that's what we try and pray. We're like, yeah, like this is our time, God, to rest in you. Yeah. And that's just, that's just, yeah, a beautiful way to approach it each week. And I, well, we always look forward to it mm. that time. And how, long, how long have you guys been doing Sabbath for now? Um, oh, it would, it would be a while now. Um, yeah, I don't know, three or so years. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Wow. It's before I even looked into these yeah. Sabbath things, before it was super popular for <laughs> some people. Before it was the in thing. Before it was the in thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's okay. How about that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you stumble across it? Like what, like, what were you reading, I guess, if you remember or exploring? Been, I know, um, the Bible project did a series on it, mm. um, on the seventh day rest, yep. Um, which that was probably the the one thing that really gave an inside, in depth look at the whole mm. seventh day rest and 
importance of it. Um, uh, and yeah, John Mark Homer's um, uh, elimination of hurry. Oh, of course, probably, that came out that, a few years yeah, ago. Was, yeah, that was good, out yeah, then. that's right. Yes, so that was uh, part of yeah the focus there. I think those two things were probably mm. the key elements, um, and I think. We would naturally, typically do, like, have Saturdays off anyway. Yeah, totally. I think we just officially went, let's, like, mark the, the time mm. and really be intentional about what it means to rest in God. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, and bring that in as a family qual- quality mm. um, to the space. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. I mean, I, and I think, yeah, I think I came across it through John Mark. Coma's work probably when he started doing practice in the way that mm. parachurch ministry that he he runs. I think that's probably when it really started to speak to me. Like I heard of the concept more as like a, a principle mm. in the past, which is still you know valid and, and 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 good. So I think Tim Kelly used to talk about kind of the idea of like slowing our lives down and. Um, you know, being intentional with rest and, and the like. And then um, I think uh, the Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann mm. put a bit more of a a bit more of a justice lens to it in terms of like how society shaped yes. what would it mean to treat Sabbaths as an act of resistance as well yeah. against the backdrop of kind of always consuming, always yeah. doing and, and yeah. things like that. Um, yeah, I love that part of, of Sabbath. Mm, yeah. It was radical. Yeah. Yeah. Let's try not shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to shop. We're, we're making pancakes yeah. today. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that Excel document's remaining closed. Yeah. What a radical idea. What a radical idea. Oh. No emails are checked. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, man. Oh, I love that. I love that. Which is probably a good segue into what, what I wanted to talk to you about. Because, I mean... I think it was after one of our prayer meetings, maybe that we do in our community. Maybe, maybe all I know is, is it was just you and me. Yes, and we're at a great, a great coffee spot mm. after prayer, and um, and we're having a wonderful batch brew <laughs> as we do. <laughs> and I don't know how it came up in conversation, but I was kind of talking about this idea. Or this practice of like what it means to, on one hand, to intentionally follow Jesus, which kind of the way I saw it will um, add a kind of a healthy edge to life. And by edge, I mean like you know, when we follow Jesus, um, it's not always going to be a, a simple life. <laughs> or, or when we carry our cross and follow him and we you know, learn to be present to people, you know, um, more than perhaps we would have regularly been or where we kind of put our, where we kind of reorientate our budget towards kingdom-shaped ways or, you know, inviting people over the house even if we're like more introverted or, 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 or whatnot. Like there's going to be a bit of an edge to life and then so kind of thinking through that concept but then going, ah, but we also live in a culture where um, there's some sincere concerns around things like burnout and mm. what it means to kind of look after ourselves. And so this topic came up 
and we started talking about it. Just chatting. We were chatting. Um, just having a good time. Yeah, it was just a good time with Batch Brew, yeah. you know. Um, and not saying we have to necessarily like replicate that conversation, but I guess I guess I liked it so much. I do want to talk about it with mm-hmm. you and just have microphones and see what happens on the far side yeah. of that. Yeah, I mean, I've, I mean, I've always seen it more of like because I don't know. If, I feel like the there's a sense of always trying to get balance mm. that we mm-hmm. um, are more focused on the balance than it is about what's actually necessary. And I think it's the like for me, it's always grappling the tension like that. What is that tension, and how are we actually um, navigating mm. both sides mm. of the coin mm. and actually working? Yeah, I mean, it's, there's balance in the middle, mm. but. Um, yeah, how do you actually navigate when there's tension between trying to do so much mm. versus just actually, yeah, then, but then also trying to push so much into mm. your own self-care, that mm. tension mm. that we feel, mm. how do we navigate that? Yeah, yeah, exactly, Pastor yes. Joel. <laughs> How do we navigate that? How no. do we navigate? No. I mean, this is a conversation. I know. I was just going to say. I know this is more conversational. Um, so, I mean, I'm I'm interested to hear about from your from your mm, angle on, yeah. on the the culture of the therapeutic self. Y- yeah. <laughs> just to throw that out. Yes. I mean, I'm interested to hear, like in yes, in, in what that means in in our culture today. Where mm. um, I just think. In our culture, there's a big mandate on, on you know what's what's titled as the project self. Mm. Like it's yep. it's all in how do I fix and 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 work on myself to a point where it's it's become all about ourselves and yep. that's that's where our culture is at. Mm. And so real in our churches and in mm. us as Christians um, that um, we have. Been more focused on having and living a good life in mm. our project self than it is about kingdom ethics and values. Mm. And um, when we get just caught up in that culture, um, yeah, we can move away from yeah, actually surrendering to God and mm. and find that the answer is in doing the practices, yes, doing the Sabbath or doing mm. the silence. And mm. if I do more of that, then I will you know, be a better person. But in reality, those things always only point to the creator, mm. the one that we actually are, are there for. Mm. Yes. And whenever we lose sight of that, uh, that's where we're, it's in danger. Mm. Um, uh, and, yeah, I think a big reason of that is because we live in such a culture of the therapeutic self. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If Philip Reef, I think yes. it was. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's interesting, like, even hearing that and then thinking it through the, Kind of the lens of kind of the, the world I'm in doing doing one on one therapy with with people. It's it's been something I, I've I've noticed and, and I guess it's about extremities again. And I'll just mm-hmm. I'll just give you an, an example of of this. Um, so I, I came into doing therapy work and one of the things that was almost indoctrinated in me would and because I studied at a Christian institution as well, whilst I whilst the counseling theory I learned it all the you know, things you ought to learn doing therapy, but through a Christian worldview, if you like. And one of the lecturers um, always used to say, burnout does not glorify God, which I, I mean, I agree with it. I don't 
I'm not not here to debate mm. debate necessarily um, that per se, but it was it's it, that that kind of put a seed in me which I've I've really held on to um, kind of the fine line difference between um, taking up our cross, mm. um, but then realizing that the way we learn what it means to live the kingdom life and take up our cross and deny that ourselves and et cetera and all that is precisely Jesus who, in the words of one Japanese theologian, went three miles an hour. You know, he wasn't rushed mm. from A to B. Mm. He kind of walked everywhere and he kind of was in the, for, for lack of a better word, the flow of what the spirit um, was doing mm. um, and he was always following his father's will. Yeah. Um, and so there's a sense of kind of, Pace, so they're still doing, but it's at a at a at a godly pace, quite literally. Um, so there, there's that element, um, and then of course I started working where I, I currently work, and you know, it can be quite challenging with the, the type of work that I do and, and kind of the type of work my colleagues do with working with at-risk young people at the at the place I work at, and um, I think rightfully so. We started. I started being mindful of what my lecturer used to say around you know, burnout does not glorify God, burnout does not glorify God. I'm reminding myself of that and then talking about um, kind of healthy self-care practices and, and things like that. Um, but I have noticed more more culturally, and, and I'm not saying this about my workplace necessarily, but just more broadly culturally, it's kind of the, the narrative has or, or is shifting, or maybe it isn't. Anyway, I'll... I'll unpack that in a bit, but but there's this subtle shift away from um, kind of this you know, putting on this hard work and you know, grinding yourself into the ground to this other extreme where it's like oh you got to look after yourself you got to have your bubble bath and you got to you know you got to um, you know um, take time away and things like that. things which once again I'm not inherently against but. It almost it went from kind of one extreme, and then I'm can't, but I'm starting to notice the other extreme, and um, and I'm I'm, uh, I'm I'm thinking very culturally about about where we are located in Perth, and in Australia if, even more broadly, where it's it's a little bit more relaxed as a country, yeah. and sometimes I I get cautious of the trend in the other direction of like we'll flip to the other extreme and that will become internalized in, in our life, in our walk with Jesus, in our churches, um, where we go, ah, okay, um, you know, I, I can't help that person who needs babysitting in my church because I've got my self-care now. <laughs> I'm resting, yeah. you know, I've got my boundaries yeah. and and these are my sacred boundaries and no one's going to violate that. So, like, I'm kind of... Being mindful of one extreme, and especially what I was taught, but that does not glorify God. Um, I'm starting to slowly see kind of a culture to this other extreme, and I can only speak from the places I'm in. Like, I'm not obviously a social commentator on the rest of the Western world, or, or perhaps what it's like in more hustle and bustle cities like Sydney, and Melbourne, where there is still that that grind quite a bit. And I'm not saying it's not here, but I don't know. This is just kind of where my headspace is. Yeah. Um, and I think for the, the way I think about it, it's, it's kind of the way you mentioned as well, like trying to find this middle ground Yeah. where, um, and you spoke about, yeah, the therapeutic self and like 
even if we were to find this middle ground, that there's still that question that has to be asked, and that is what's the type of life you want to live. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, because um, if it is us, if it is about us being followers of Jesus, then it would be a kingdom life. But um, kingdom life does not have to be synonymous with burnout. Yes. But then neither does it have to be synonymous with kind of like we're living on cloud nine. It's it's something like almost like a liturgical routine that will include like moments where things do feel like you're on edge. Like you are visiting that family member at three in the morning whose you know, mother's just passed away or something yeah. um, as an act of kind of agape love, sacrificial yeah. love. Um, but that can coexist with things such as Sabbath and it can coexist with realizing that God created sleep and we need to sleep and that's okay. Anyway, that's where my brain's going, yeah. but I don't know where's your brain going as I'm kind of riffing. Yeah, I think uh, where it seems where uh, we easily pull away, and I think you know what you're alluding to is it mm. seems that people are more prone to pull away from community. Yes, prone to pull away from really putting themselves out there mm. and really sacrificing for the other mm. in a way that actually builds one another. Um, in order for us to, yeah, feel like we're on top of things or like, you know, I don't want to put too many responsibilities because, you know, I've got uni or I've got work Mm. and I've got a lot going on Mm. and I just need to just focus on those things. Uh, And uh, so, yeah, hanging out with people or, or, you know, giving what I have to actually serve another Mm. um, in in the way that we do life, not just kind of serving at a church or something. Mm. It's, I think... Uh, that's what's at threat, that the sense of actually building true community uh, and um, which probably goes all in play with this project self thing yes. and this yeah. whole individualised culture. Mm. Um, if, it, if it helps build myself, if it helps build my who I am, then I'm, I'm okay with that. Like let's go all for it. Let's be a part of that. But if, if it means that I have to sacrifice and mm. do something for another, then I don't know, I've got <laughs> – I've got other things going on, I've, yeah. you know. I've got my, mm. yeah, I've, yeah, my things that I'm involved with, or mm. so it's just um, that's that's an interesting thing, mm. uh, and I think there's there's a, um, I think ambition has has had a bad name mm. in, in the sense that like how you know we don't want to be too ambitious, we don't want to be too forward because. Um, yeah, that'll burn us out if mm. we're too mm. going all out, if we're too invested. Mm. Uh, and and sometimes, sometimes as in church experiences, um, people have um, pushed others to extremes. Mm. Mm. And so they've felt like to give too much mm. uh, is is going to burn me out. And uh, and in one level, I can understand that. I've been in environments where I've felt probably a push, been pushed a, you know, a bit too far. Mm. Um uh, and that's where you need to, yeah, have, I guess, healthy boundaries in one sense. Mm. Um, but but then the fear is that that will just totally pull you back, mm. and we're scared of them being ambitious in what God is doing. Mm. Um, and yeah, so some great work from John John Tyson. I was going to say to that holy ambition or holy something? ambition. Yeah, yeah, holy ambition, which is centered around realizing that what we're doing is either. <clears throat> um, would would ambitious um, 
the fueled by either our, our drive, mm. by our drivenness, or we're ambitious, fueled by our call mm. and by our sense of actually being one with the Father. Mm. And that's the sense that I get from, from Jesus yeah. is that he didn't have this drive to be a certain person mm. to, you know, try and meet some agenda. Mm. He was just doing it at a slow pace. Yes. But so in tune with his call, so in tune with his mm. connection and relationship with, with mm. the Father, mm. so in tune with, I guess, that relationship that um, he was ambitious in what he did and yes. how they were able to, um, you know, heal and deliver and do amazing things in mm. towns and mm. see healings. And mm. But he was always at ease with who he was. Yes. Um, and so... A holy ambition, John Tyson. Um, I think this is Gordon, Gordon McDonald as well. This kind of thought. Um, it, it's it's a trying to go. Am I just doing this out of my drive, out mm. of just what I want to get out of it, out of what it makes me feel, mm. uh, out of how I will be perceived or looked at, or am I actually in tune with how my rela- my relationship with God? Mm. Am I in tune with? Mm. Like my connection with him, mm. am I in tune with what how he's called me to live and and act, mm. um, and actually seeking out that as mm. a way of living? Yes, rather than just focused on yeah the drive of what we do. Mm. And so yeah, that holy ambition is kind of centered around that I think, um, and around you know the kingdom ethics, around the kingdom values of mm. who Christ has called us to be. Mm. Um, yeah. Mm. No, I, I I like that. I, it because I think the key thing there is that it it's it goes back to that question. You know what what is the life we are called to? Yeah. Um, because yeah, if I'm talking about the person who just wants to make a lot of money, because of course there's then there lies the stereotype of the burnout person. Mm. You know, it's just hustle, hustle, hustle. Um, but suppose you know, suppose there is someone in that category, and that's their life vision, right? Um, but then they go, oh, but the way I'm like, oh, well, maybe the way I'm also make a lot of money is that I also need to be well rested Mm. because if I'm well rested, then I'm more alert when I do my money making projects, you know? So then they go, oh, self care. I need to look after myself. (laughs) Or if life is about, um, perpetual leisure, Mm. um, then, um, there is also that sense in which I go, Oh, okay, well, I'm going to put my boundaries in because I want to make sure that I'm enjoying myself and I'm living life, you know, you know, living the dream and things like that. Now, what's interesting about even just using those two examples, the kind of the more stereotypical one of like the money-making person or the more like subtle like um, I just want to live a good life and, you know, have my kombucha, you know, nothing wrong with kombucha, but but – even with those two things, I mean, if we were to kind of insert the the king kingdom ethics into mm. that, um, which would completely renegotiate the relationship of what those two how those two types of examples of people would live, um, you might have somebody who, in the first example, their renegotiated relationship to money in light of their newfound relationship to God, they might still have a gift in finances and they might still have a, a, a calling to to do something in that end. But all of a sudden it's now shaped around Jesus. And so maybe that person's 
rests not just because of the leisure aspect, but maybe that person rests because um, that's how God's made them to be, or you know, or and the way they might then use their finances and steward their budget is towards kingdomly ways and, and radical generosity and things like that. Um, and then likewise with the latter person, that person, you know, you, you can baptize elements of the goodness of, of gratitude and be like, oh, I'm actually going to be you know, thankful for certain gifts and things like that. But because that newfound person has a, uh, has a relationship with God, newfound relationship with God, maybe it, their, their level of conviction would be on the other end. It would be like, oh, actually, well, I want to steward my life around not just myself having a great time, but you know, I want to open up my place and have other people join in, in the goodness and and, um, and and share and delight in God's goodness together with people and to kind of renegotiate my relationship with leisure. So there's a sense in which that life vision completely renegotiates relationship with oneself depending on what that life vision is, which will include depending on the personality or the person or their proclivities would include an element of kind of Jesus-shaped rest or, yeah, that Jesus-shaped um, um, doing, I guess. But, but both will be part of the whole package of yeah. what it means to be a follower in the life of the kingdom of God, I guess. Yeah. Um, Anyway, yeah. that's just where my brain went. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think um, uh, you know, one of the statements that I have rolling around my my mind uh, all this year actually is mm. a statement of trusting the generosity of God. Mm. And um, uh, yeah, in the in the Old Testament, there is the the common theme of the firstborn mm. in the you know ancient Near East yeah. um, culture. The firstborn was all of importance, but um, God purposely uh, is often choosing the non-firstborn mm. um, to favor them, mm. from Cain and Abel to um, uh, yeah, Isaac mm. is technically not the firstborn to Jacob, mm. uh, and so on and so forth. Um, and God, it seems, is mm. often trying to actually pick out our cultural ways of thinking and mm. go. Well, really, I actually would just want you to trust me. Mm. I actually, I don't, I don't want you to see and trust in those human cultural ways of thinking because mm. that's when you're actually not leaning on who I am as your provider and, and mm. the one that actually brings favour into your life. Mm. And so for me, whether it's a call to strip back mm. and find strength in mm. um a rhythm that is going to sustain us and, and like it's it's or whether it's like to to give everything or what mm. you know whatever it looks like it's mm. the call for me is like do I trust the generosity of God? Yeah. Yeah. Does that do I trust the generosity? Or am I doing this because this makes me look good? Or do am mm. I doing this because I, I figured this out meditation or mindfulness mm. is is a part of me building my mm. self mm. and who I am? Mm. Or am I doing this because I'm really actually trusting mm. the generosity of God in mm. who I am mm. and allowing for his life to fill me? Or and or and then like to believe and, and speak things over my life. Mm. Do I trust the generosity of God? And so yeah. both ends in the end of actually like submitting mm. and having silence and solitude mm. of ha being more mindful. Mm. Um, we can do that in our own strength mm. or we can have a, this heart of 
Lord, I'm doing this because I trust your generosity. Yes. And then it's in in our ability to to push and like to mm. to have ambition and to mm. um, believe for kingdom values through my life to mm. ethics of who He has made me mm. to be outworked in my work in in my mm. family and relationships. Mm. Am I going to do that out of how I want to be perceived mm. and thought of, or do I actually trust mm. the generosity of God? Mm in producing something yes. through me. Mm. Mm. And I think that phrase for me has really has really been yeah, key mm. in how I've looked at this year and tried to um walk out in the you know those different ways of thinking. Mm. Um yeah. Yeah, no, I I'm I'm tracking and I, I I the kind of the the thing I keep on coming back to as well, it's it's around that yeah, if once again, it's that identity thing. It's that what's what is life about? What's the end goal? What's the mm. telos? What's the, like yes. if it's and if it's all about Jesus and the kingdom, then mm. there'll be different correctives both on the individual level, how to be more centered in the life of God, um, and or even on a cultural level, um, which culturally is interesting because I mean, I said this earlier, like Australian culture. I mean, it's it's part of kind of the the minority world, the Western world, if you like. Um, but yeah, and then different cities have different flavors mm. as well. Yeah. Like, yeah, and not not that I want to be cautious not to speak as if I'm a prophet because I'm not. <laughs> I, I do prophet want, Nathan. yeah, prophet Nathan. I do wonder, um, in more in the kind of Perth world, and maybe even shrinking it down even further, like the Perth church world, like maybe. We need to have a little bit more holy ambition. And, and none of this is to then go back to one extreme. Um, you know, we, we go from like rest to like it's burnout or anything like that. Because once again, if it's centered around the life of God, then it will have both. But it's, it, there is also this sense of like we understand it from that broader 30,000 foot point of view. But yeah, once we zoom into Perth and then maybe Perth church culture, it's that question of going, okay, what do we need mm. in our times? Yeah. Um, although even that's complicated because maybe yeah. it's even varies from community to community. Yeah. You know, the, the, as I'm saying this out loud, I'm almost yeah. correcting myself and going, "Well, actually, it varies from community to community." And obviously, you know, what what we might need in 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 our community that that we're in versus what another church community might need might vary. You know, some communities can you know, need to be have a bit bit more of a dose of holy ambition and, and certain communities need to be like, oh, maybe the way we're running church has burnout in built into it. And obviously I'm not going to give any commentary on any community either way in, in Perth, but does that make sense? Yeah, I, I, think, I, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like in Perth we almost idolise the sense of comfort and ease. Yes. Like just idolise uh, like, you know, we're just laid back people. Yes. And we yes. love it. We yeah, love yeah, that yeah. We're just like chilled. Mm. Um, you know, we're not too hectic. Uh, and that's what that's what we hang our flag around, like that mm. we're just these chilled, easygoing people. Um but uh, I mean you saw in the political spheres of COVID, mm. um, whenever that gets uh mm. gets attacked mm. or if if mm. it's a, at at war, mm. um, you know, we we fight. To, yeah, that's to right. That. Yeah, it's like we want our yeah. we want our great life yes, here exactly. in WA. <laughs> we don't want that to be messed with. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this so, is a sanctuary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there is this real sense of of that 
pull to that comfort mm. and easygoingness that I think um, we as Perthites. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's important to address and mm. realise. Mm. Um, and we love that, you know, anyone kind of just doing more, being more mindful and, yeah, being mm. more aware of yourself, which mm. is, I think, are all helpful things. But, mm. again, if it, the drive is just to project self. Yes. It's um, it's it's going to leave us empty. Yes. Because uh, it will only get us to a point where we feel mm. like, yes, this has met what I needed, mm. but it's now not giving me enough. Yes. I need something else. Yeah. Like, and that's where we keep cycling and trying yes. to find the next thing. Yes. Uh, and that's where only Christ can really come in. And mm. if we're actually doing those things, found, you know, grounded on the foundation of actually wanting to Christ to be the center of it. Yes. I think that's where it becomes a kingdom, you know, something that actually can build who we are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. I love that. Yeah. And, I mean, in some ways it's, it might almost sound as a simple of a quote-unquote answer, for lack of a better word. It's like, ah, oh, we just need to centre our life more around <laughs> Jesus. Because as we do, it will critique the... Sounds easy. Yeah, it will critique on one hand the Perthite culture of like a little bit too laid back, yeah. back without negating the fact that there is a place for, you know, th- practices like Sabbath and things mm. like that, you know. But then it will also critique a more hustle-bustle culture mm. where it's like... Burnout, but because, but it's not because of either doing too much or too little, though those are factors, but it has everything to do with what is your vision of life. Yeah. Because if your vision of life is centered in God, relationship with God, and, and through relationship with God, loving and serving others, then it's going to include all the slices of the kingdom pie, which includes Jesus healing and preaching and Jesus resting mm. and napping on the boat and having solitude time with fat. Like it's not an either or it's like this holistic kind of kingdom life picture that's going at the pace um, that father, son and spirit set and doing, and in Jesus's case, of course, doing what the father wills and by the power of the spirit. I'm always haunted by um, Galatians where it says to walk by the spirit Like it doesn't say like run by the spirit. It doesn't say even stand still. Like it's so it's neither this hustle, but it's neither is this like kind of like that that chillaxing, like Perthite chillaxing yeah. vibe. You know, it's like you walk by the spirit, and you know, as you walk, mm. there are gonna be you know times where it, you're, you're gonna feel the grain. You're gonna feel like you're rubbing against the grain of a more chillaxed kind of vibe. Um, and there'll be times you walk by the spirit and it will be in the words of John Mark Comer, like a downward spiritual discipline. It's like, like Sabbath is actually great. For example, when you actually practice it, it's like, Oh cool. You know, it's an actual whole day of rest. Um, but then in different cultures, that would be more challenging, you know? Anyway, anyway, I'm riffing now, but I'm just kind of thinking out loud. I don't know, Joel, like what would be, obviously we don't want to be too prescriptive, but um, I, I am thinking of like, um, through the lens of, of different practices in a way, because there will be practices of both that are both more stereotypically about holy ambition and then there will be practices that are more stereotypically about kind of like a holy rest, you know, things that would be more about that carry the cross um, and then also come to me all who are weary and I'll give you rest. You know, it's it's yeah, – and one doesn't contradict the other. It's part of the whole life. But I don't know. Is there things that kind of in these times or, or 
or it's going through your brain around particular practices, I guess. Or maybe that's the wrong question. I don't know. Like you, you, you take it however you want. Um, I, yeah, I think there's still one of the great practices uh, that is always at war, whether, you know, in, in a Perth mm. more relaxed culture or more driven culture is just the um, practice of silence and solitude mm. um, because we have our devices always with us and we're so distracted so often and I, I find people still don't know how to do that. Mm. And, you know, we've been talking about silence in our church for mm. probably three years mm. um, and it still feels like, you know, I ask people if they, if they how they, you know, if it's a common practice mm. um, for them and they still, you know, people are always finding it hard. Yeah. Um, mm. And I think there is such power. Um, and in particularly because um, I think the culture and, and the generation coming mm. up mm. are even more so um, be, being led to just uh, follow, mm. you know, whatever the instinct is in you. Yeah. Follow your feelings. Follow, you know, work out if if you uh, I, I think and, and operate in a certain way and just that's who you are and that's <laughs> how you operate. Mm. Mm. Uh, and. It's it for me. It points more and more away from mm. like silencing yourself, yes, um, and and busying yourself, and mm. um, and so I think the practice of silence and solitude for me is has been one that really grounds me, mm. um, and actually having space mm. where and you know some days I'm only having two minutes mm. of that, mm. um, um, so it's not like we need to go away for day long mm. um mm. silent retreats mm. every weekend yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh but it's actually just um yeah being intentional about what silence looks like mm. um, in our busied minds and busy lives mm. and just centering ourselves again on on, on christ and who he is in us Mm. And that, for me, I think is yeah, is really really important mm. because uh, I can forget mm. yeah. how important Christ is to me. Yeah, when I get so distracted, mm. Mm. I can forget uh, by yeah the I, I'm probably a, more of a driven nature. Mm. I'm less of a laid back. Like let's just take it. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Mm. I've yeah, uh, I can push myself mm. and just have always things going. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that's just really important. Yeah. I, I like the, the, the yeah, talking about silence because I think you're right culturally, whether it's the more Perthite or the more, more other cities in Australia, <laughs> a little bit more hustle and bustly, there, there's something – there is a commonality of noise, you know, particularly with our phone devices. Um, kind of, you know, thinking about the Perthite understanding of it, you know, leisure. You know, like let's watch Netflix yeah. <laughs> for yeah. hours on end. Um, but that's still a noise. That's still a. It's more of a subtle type of doing that doesn't actually allow us to properly stop. Um, 
Oh. We don't contemplate who God is. Yes. Know? Yeah, that's so right. No space for actually mm. considering who he is. That's right. Yes. And the concern as well is that sometimes this can be internalized into our own communities. And that's not to, once again, it's not to name or shame or any congregations or churches like that. It's just more of the phenomena, um, particularly, and I can only speak from the tradition I come from, where it is often quite, um, can be quite loud and it can be quite um, over the top and, and there's nothing wrong with celebration. There's nothing mm. wrong with, you know, praise and worship in that classical Pentecostal sense, at least coming from my background. Um, it's it's that. But it's also, yeah, that sense of going, actually, we don't even want to, we, we shouldn't, we should be careful not to even al- allow the loudness of those things to become a new version of distraction that actually stops us, that even the very praises we, we, we shout can ironically become the very, stumbling block of actually stopping and actually oh, actually i'm singing about god all the time but i'm actually not being present with him does that make sense oh, you know absolutely. it's it's that classic church thing of like we often do churchy activities to avoid god <laughs> or, or even or even distorted versions of spiritual practices where it's like um nothing wrong with petitionary prayer i'm all for that you know, once again it's the whole slice of all the prayer pie um, but if you just focus on one slice of it, for example, of always talking, 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 like even that can be a subtle, uh, well-intentioned but very subtle nonetheless way of not sitting in silence and um, being present with God, contemplating God, and, and maybe even, dare I say, experiencing the still small voice of God. Um yeah, anyway, just... Yeah. Yeah, and I think, yeah, we have... Don't even realise, mm. like, sometimes we're just saying these things in Christian world and we don't, don't even really know what we're saying. We've just said it so many times. Mm. And, yeah, and in that Pentecostal upbringing also that I've had, it's like I, I sometimes just catch myself going, like, what am I, what am I saying? Like, I don't mm. know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and I've just said it because it's like what I've always said in mm. this setting, mm. in this prayer moment or in, um, in a service. And then it's, I mean, sometimes it just requires you actually stopping going, like mm. actually embodying and thinking about yes. contemplating what you are saying. Mm. Um, and, yeah, then, you know, for me the use of like a prayer book or mm. ancient prayers or mm. things um, are the forms of prayer uh, where it's not just led by what I can think about, mm. but it's is you know, written and thought through, mm. have been helpful for me to then actually navigate mm. some of those spaces at another level because it it makes me not just say whatever I've always said, but mm. actually mm. forces me to to stop and read mm. and contemplate mm. how maybe someone else's words and how they've prayed. Mm. Help me draw closer to God. Yes. Um, and so, um, yeah, I guess another, yeah, that's another thing that I have used um, mm. in more recent times is just the use of prayer books and mm. other forms of prayer. Yes. Uh, that aren't just about me mm. saying what I feel, which mm. I think there's, mm. I think that's good. Yeah. I think we need to have space for that. Yeah. Um, uh, 
but in like moments of silence, we can actually be still before God, mm. and then um, coming before Him using prayers and different ways of actually relating to Him. Mm. Yeah, oh, I, I love that. I mean, it, it kind of a, a word that's coming to mind even as you're you're speaking um, was probably like the the what I'm seeing as is a good shift is like the contemplative turn mm. in, in a way. Um, I forgot forgot who it was, but I know I know it was on the Practicing the Way podcast and one of their luminary interviews, a particular New Zealander pastor slash singer, I think, or former worship leader, talked about like being a contemplative charismatic. It's mm. a way. Yeah. And um and something the 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 people I speak to who I trust from a cultural point of view within the church, um, whether, I mean, I, I don't think they would use the term prophets on themselves. It's probably, probably quite arrogant. But, but but those who I would look at and be like, oh, you're, you're tapping into, you're, you're, you're really analysing culture, you're understanding what's happening on a cultural level, both inside and outside the church. That's often been the thing that a lot of those people are actually saying is probably the, the contemplative turn that's that's happening, which I think is a, a good thing. It isn't to now then make contemplation a new idol or no. contemplative practices a new idol. It's just to realise that there's perhaps a healthy pivot that's been needed um, that could actually be something that, that God is using in these in these times, um, especially where where it does come down to centering our life in kind of liturgical rhythms and practices that will include the holy ambition as well as the holy being in God's presence. And and, and want to make it very clear to listeners that that is not an either or, and it's certainly not two different things. It's all kind of wrapped into one in, in a sense. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's just what's going through my mind. Like, like. Yeah. Like uh, I think it was Mark Sayers who talks about that he envisions perhaps the future of um, the church in the West to become like a non-anxious presence that against the backdrop of, of a world that, that is um, going through kind of its own chaos on, on, on multiple levels, both individually, but then people obviously concerned about global affairs and what's going on, like what would it mean to actually be um, centred yeah, centered in the life of God, in relationship with God, to which yeah we can be that non-anxious presence and just go at the pace that the Spirit wants to go at. I know I know we're circling back to this, but I just think it's so important for us to yeah kind of think about and come kind of chew on a bit more. Yeah, and I think, but then also mm. um, pushing into the charismatic. I yes, think is, is both. What's, Absolutely, it's beautiful about. Like I guess pulling down the the um the barriers and yes. to you know welcome a, a different way of thinking than mm. in the contemplative, mm. um but also in that mm. um not losing I guess that charismatic oh, 100%. sense of yeah. the spirit of God moving mm. and giving gifts yes uh, and and actually releasing people in yes. in how we're called and gifted to minister and and to build up one another yes hundred uh, percent for the gifts for, yes um. And so, uh, yeah, I think it's it's just beautiful that God is is 
doing more of that work yes. in seems in yes. in pastors and churches mm. and actually realizing that it's not one or the other yes. but it, and it, you know there's not one way of doing things that's right but it's actually seeing the beauty in in the different expressions mm, mm, mm. and and how it actually when you partner with each other and actually yes, yes. um work together Mm. There is a sense of God being glorified in that, mm. um, despite what type of style that you do that in. Mm. Uh, mm. And yeah, I think that's that's what's exciting for me mm. um, is seeing the beauty in the contemplative, mm. slowing down mm. pace, mm. and the the liturgy and the mm. liturgicalness of mm. of repeating prayers and doing mm. that together. But then. Mm. empowering each other and yes. the spirit's gifts is, yes. is exciting. Oh, a- absolutely. And I love that that imagery. It, it and it truly is that both and I think in these times, especially in relation to to this topic. Um I, the, a picture I've often used before it's like a banquet. So uh did you ever see the movie Hook? So in the old Yeah, old yeah, we, we Hook? Yeah, 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 with um Robin Williams uh, is playing yes. Peter Pan love like it. an adult. Yeah, great. There's that scene I absolutely love where um, um, that he's starting to eat food, but mm. but um, the adult Peter Pan can't see the food. And anyway, but something happens and his eyes open. They see it. it's like this huge feast. Um, now, why am I saying that? I'm going I'm going somewhere with this. Yeah, so do I. I love that scene too. And I, the, where I'm going with it is like to use that as a, that awesome scene as a bit of a picture of like um, the contemplative – kind of stream of the spirit's work because it's both spirit led, you know, it's two sides of the same coin, right? Yes. The, the spirit led component to the contemplative stream is realizing the feast is already in front of us, mm-hmm. um, which means we can already, we, it's, so it's bringing ourselves to awareness of what the spirit's already doing and the kind of the charismatic kind of spirit led element to it is like the, the um, it's almost like the, and maybe just to stick with the picture so I don't confuse our metaphors here, it's almost like we're all, we already have a lot of the feast already in front of us, so we don't have to strive for more of the Spirit. But the Spirit is so generous in the Spirit's outpouring of, of what, what, what He's doing that it's almost like lavishing dessert <laughs> as well. So we're neither. So it's neither just the charismatic and we forget that there's a feast already in front of us because if we do that, there is – I would say an unhealthy level of anxiety around like I need the spirit, I need the spirit, and, mm. and woe is me, I haven't had a spirit led day, and 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 mm. in terms of the hyper charismatic sense, um, but then neither is it just the well, I've got the the feast in front of me, and I just have to become aware of what the spirit's already doing, even though mm. that's great. Um, but you you can have your cake and eat it too, or you can have your feast <laughs> and cake as well. Like yeah. it's this. Like the contemplative spirit element, it's like maybe to shift up the metaphor a bit. It's like um, living in a humid climate and being slowing down, just being still, being aware of the humidity that's already around you, whilst also longing and praying for rain as well. So that it's it's you don't have to have the anxiety if you don't get the rain because you've got the humidity, but. You also want more than just the humidity. You want the rain. So you want it. It's almost like we can seek after the spirit and that holy ambition, that more charismatic sense, but we don't have to be super anxious about it either because the spirit's also with us yes. at the same time. So it's like, it's it's not like it's an either or of like the spirit's either not here or the spirit is here in the 
capital C charismatic sense. It's like the spirit is here and there can be more of this spirit in the more, I think Bible project talks about in terms of like the glory of God. It's like, yes, God's omnipresent. God's glory is here. But then there's like the Shekinah glory. <laughs> there's like this outpouring. And what's this have to do with the topic? I have no clue, Joel. <laughs> but okay, here's where I was going with the topic. This is okay. Here's where I'm going. When we realize the contemplative dimension to the Spirit's work, it can save us from the, um, the uh, unholy churchy ambition that yes. we're dubbing as holy ambition. Yeah. Because we, cause we don't have to rush to this kind of outcome-orientated approach yeah. to our own spirituality or to our own Christian walk. Um, as noble as that is, you know, you know they, who doesn't want to see numerical yeah. church number discipleship grow and, and things like that? It's all good, good stuff, but it's but um, the contemplative dimension will, will make you go. We can slow down and still be excited, <laughs> or we can we can slow down and we can be ambitious it's it, it it's like this this tempering but in a, in a good good way i guess yeah um but i think what i meant by the metaphor of the feast not to get too swept up in this because <laughs> i don't want to derail this whole episode i'll have to the rename feast. it the feast and the dessert <laughs> no, i think what i mean is like um contemplative practice can actually open up our eyes that the feast is yeah. already here yeah. so like i don't have to be anxious and always seeking the spirit yeah, because the spirit's already present. Mm. Um, and the spirit can also come in more manifest yeah. ways, but it doesn't have to be one or the other. It doesn't have to be a type of like, I can become aware of what the spirit's already doing, yes. but I didn't have to settle there. Like I can also believe that this, that I can pray and petition for the spirit to come in a, in a deeper fullness or in like an outpouring. But then neither is the other extreme, which I think is the tendency in our tradition where um, unless it's kind of like big, unless yeah. it's that super outpouring, then the spirit wasn't present. Yeah, well, The I spirit think, wasn't working. I think we, um, we've got this idea that like we're meant to be building the kingdom, mm. that we're meant to be the ones that are. Do tell, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just this idea that, you know, yeah. um, this phrase that building the kingdom has become so important, but the reality is the kingdom's already built. Yes. And our yeah. role is to actually join with God. Yes. As Christ has invited us. Yes. Uh, to um, actually be aware of what God has already built mm. in the spirit realm around us. Yes. And how he calls us to participate with him yeah. on that. Mm. Um, and so that means that I'm not going into like a situation with a friend or mm. in the community around me going, like, where am I building the kingdom? Mm. It's going, no, God, what are you already doing? Yeah, How are you great. already at work Yes, in the people and in, in the settings around me? Because yes. you are much bigger than I. Mm. And this, again, comes back to that idea that we're trusting the generosity of God. This yes. is not about something that I'm building mm. and making happen. Mm. And I think the contemplative space mm. brings us back to that, to go, this is not about what I'm, what I can achieve, yes. and what I can build for God. Mm. 
But this mm. is just aligning myself yeah. with the fact that it's already here. And yes. working. That's that, that, I guess, that yes. image of the feast. It's, mm. it's no, the feast is already here. We don't have to worry mm. about mm. what what we have to do Yes, yeah. Um, to see, uh, yeah, his kingdom come in full. It's mm. like, you know, like mm. we just actually get to play a part in yes. working with him. I love that. And I think, I think it does round out back to this whole topic as well, and probably more from those who are involved in churches or parachurches or work or life, but as followers of Jesus is to remind ourselves that um, it, because when we realize that God's already at work and we participate with what God's doing, it removes the kind of like capital A anxiety of like, I need to build the kingdom and make the kingdom here, mm. which is that unholy ambition that we dub as holy ambition. It's um, drivenness. Yeah, it's drivenness. That's right. Yes, yes, to what, what, what um, John Tyson um, says. That's right. Um, so it comes from a so – amb- so then the holy ambition is actually that partnering with. Yes. But because uh, – this is where I'm going with, with – I'm riffing off what you're saying, Joel. But because it's partnering of what, this, of what God's already doing in a space, we can also rest because it's not yeah. up to us to build the yeah. kingdom. There we go. Yes. <laughs> Come on. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Glory. Glory. <laughs> Glory. Hallelujah. <laughs> the plane is landing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not up to us. Mm. Mm. And we just, we're fools if we think it is. Yes, it's, that's right. God will not be mocked. Yes. is, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. That continual call to just trust him. Yes, it's just. Yeah, I know it's it sound it it sounds so easy, and we you know Mm. had said that earlier. It's like yeah, just centering your lives on God. Like Mm. yeah, sure, (laughs) yeah. Uh, It sounds so easy, but it's the reality is like everything else is warring against that. Yes, Uh, Mm. and how we do church wars against that. Yes. Like we need to open our eyes to see that um, how we do church isn't just about, isn't centering always on, on God. Mm. It's, it's often so mixed with our own agendas. Yeah. And me as a pastor know that, mm. you know, so well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I need to, I, through the journey of pastoring and leading churches, has been so aware of, oh, my goodness, how how broken and flawed I am to mm. think that I've centered this on God, where it's really been centered on mm. my own thing. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's very insightful. I mean, it's that, that pulling the log out of your own eye, and I appreciate that, that Joel, um, as well. I, I think that's an important reminder, though, for us in, um, as, as well, how easy it is for um, – our own communities, um, and I say this empathetically. I don't say this as kind of in, in mockery to people or anything, but but it's just the it's just the truth. No matter how easy it is for even um, our own churches to get swept up in the culture um, around around either the hustle or the the overly le- the overly leisured life, rather than being centered in in Christ and even structuring our churches. Structurally speaking, I mean that quite literally, from from that point of view. Because um, yeah, sometimes there's a tendency where 
Um, and I've seen it happen where it's like um, you're not doing, the, you know, you're not doing enough for the kingdom. You're not doing enough, you know, and and people get genuinely burnt out. But it's the burnout's probably more located in how churches are often structured in in in, in some instances like a machine rather than like a family. But of course. When things are structured like a family, there's always going to be tough times yeah. as well. So it's not to negate that, and it's not to negate that there aren't going to be seasons where it's harder, and there's mm. going to be seasons where it's easier. But in in any instance, if it's like a family, then um, it has that. Yeah, that's it. If it's like, yeah, anyway, I'm not I'm not really landing the thought really well <laughs> as I'm saying it out loud. Um, yeah. I know, this is something I'm toying with as well, but maybe that's an episode for another time. <laughs> we can go down a whole another. Oh, we go down a rabbit hole. I'm mindful of the. I'm mindful of your time. I'm mindful of of the the listeners' time. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Like a few takeaway thoughts from all of this. Like, um, particularly thinking through kind of the proposed title of this episode, which is "Take Up Your Cross, Deny Yourself." And don't burn out and and uh, take on his yoke. Um, uh, there's well, – I know burnout, the word burnout isn't in the scripture. Obviously, the yoke taking and things like that is. I, I know. It's, it's, it, it, that, that sounds like what it's about. Yeah. yeah. To, to keep it real simple rather than overcomplicating it. Because um, we could – as we've – as we've already talked about, we could talk about all the different extremities of either being too relaxed or too ambitious. But if it is about centering our life on God, then there will be both a holy rest and a holy ambition yeah. because it's about God's holiness and God's life and God's kingdom and God's purposes and how God designed us, including designing us, you know, ideally for a day of rest, um, unless you know, if Sabbath's a new thing to people, I'm not gonna, we're not going to do a whole episode on Sabbath now, but you know, looking at that practice as well as having time to just sit in God's presence in solitude um, and then also getting on with the rest of our day, which might include busy moments and and challenges in life and, and difficult seasons. And But if centred in God, then all shall be well. Yeah. I guess. That's the, yeah, that's the hope. Yeah, I think it's like we pick up our cross mm. and um, trust mm. in in his generosity, as I've been saying the whole mm. time. Mm. I think that's that's a lot harder than it looks, mm. and that's what the picking up our cross m- means is that um, in our pursuits of holy ambition and holy rest, mm. we're constantly called to deny ourselves, mm. Mm. Uh, and that's you know what. To pick up with the cross is about it's denying ourselves, yes, to follow him. Mm. And, uh, yeah, we are invited to do the hard work of mm. not a- allowing our, our just the pull of who we are mm. to keep dictating how we will act, but mm. to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, mm. and Trust in his generosity. Yeah, I love that. Is that call to holy ambition and holy rest? Yeah, I love that. It, that really reframes the image of 
taken up by cross deny myself. It's been something I've been thinking about for years. Like the whole notion of like dying to self doesn't have to be kind of this um, closed fistedness because actually when someone's dying, it's a letting go, centering into the flow. And I guess in this instance, it's letting, giving into the life of God. Yes. Um, It's a type of dying that actually leads to the life of God and, and with that, you find all the good gifts of, of um, a different pace to life that is um, neither too fast nor too slow, but going at God's pace, it's just yeah. right. It's a Goldilocks pace. Yes, yeah. oh, I love that. And I love, <laughs> I love the imagery, imagery of letting go. Mm. I think so much we like a clenching and yes. just gritting yeah, yeah. our teeth through. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to die to <laughs> yeah. Or just like just trying to pray or trying to yes. read our Bible or like mm. trying to do what's right. Like mm. we just are often throughout the whole process mm. we're just gritting our teeth. Yeah. Um and clenching, but it's yeah, the invitation to just let go. Yeah. To stop. Mm. I think that's what's so beautiful. Absolutely. No, it's 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 been good. Um it's and it's a good image. I love it. Um, and I love what you said earlier as well about um, it's, it's easier said than done. Mm. Yeah, and I, I, I forgot which pastor said it, but the, the image of um, Romans 12 verses 1 to 2 when it talks about being a living sacrifice, the whole idea, the, the idea of it being a living sacrifice, it's an oxymoron because we can slither off the altar. <laughs> it's like we're not a dead sacrifice, we're living. So we have to actively sacrifice and um you're always coming to God in in the context of relationship, coming to God in repentance, like God, like help us to live at your pace. Help us go at the pace that you want to set for us. Um, help us to enter into the kingdom life. And yeah, deny ourselves, i.e. not make it about ourselves, but what God wants. It's good. It's good. It's very good. That's what it's about. Yeah, that's what it's about. Can you close in prayer for us, Joel, and then I'll finish up the podcast? Yeah. Yeah, great. That'd be good. Awesome. Thank you, Lord. We just in this moment choose to center our, our lives, our hearts on you. We ask that wherever we are listening to this, that you would come be, come be present mm. to our very lives. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to strive and mm. work our way towards building your kingdom, stressing and straining our lives towards accomplishing something that we can't achieve. But, Lord, we are invited to rest, to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross and trust in you, Mm. to follow you, Mm. to lean into you. And so, Lord, I just pray for anyone who is uh, feeling that stress and strain, the anxiety and the pressures of life. Lord, I just uh, pray that in this moment we just let it go. Mm. We let that go and... 
receive your life, receive yes, the blessing and life of, of mm. the Father. We receive all that you are, our God, mm. and just ask for your anointing and spirit to mm. fill us, to overflow in us and to empower us to live with holy ambition, with a focus in uh, by the call, not by our drivenness, mm. Lord, and that we may rest in that place yes, God. of how you called us to live. Mm. And Jesus, that you may be glorified mm. and praised. In your name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to Deeper and Wider. If you like what you hear, then please subscribe and share far and wide. If you want to get to know me, then follow me on Instagram at Nathan underscore Forster or look me up at NathanForster.com. Otherwise, I'll see you next time.